Welcome to the PR Matters Podcast, survival tips for church communicators, hosted by Justin Dean. Get your copy of Justin's new book, PR Matters, at churchprbook.com. Hey everyone, welcome back. Today I'm going to read through chapter 6, The Power of the Press. Thanks so much for listening along. Hope this has been helpful for you and your church. And again, if anybody needs help, wants to dive into this content more, uh, you can always tweet me at Justin J. Dean or uh, go to churchprbook.com. You can contact me there. And uh, we also have a Facebook group uh, for Church PR. And uh, you're welcome to join that as well. You can find the link to that at churchprbook.com. Love to start engaging with you there. And we'll start sharing more content uh, there as well. So chapter six, the power of the press. Carol Lee who uh, is at Tech Effect, she says when it comes to media relations, it's not just about establishing a connection with a reporter. Maintaining a relationship over time will be the key to driving consistent results. So as I've said before, one of the most valuable and profitable relationships you can build is with the press. And we're going to dive into that a little more in this chapter. The press can be an intimidating force, but they can also be one of the most advantageous resources to getting the gospel to the masses. That's why you need a media relations plan. I have found that when you actually take the time to get to know the men and women who are helping inform the public about the news, there are some wonderful people among them who love the Lord and love the church. Even most non-Christian reporters and journalists are generally in, genuinely interested in just reporting the facts, but they have so much working against them, like tight deadlines and quotas that have changed the game. It's definitely worth your time and resources to have an active plan in place to work with the press on an ongoing basis, as well as to actively pitch stories that your church uh, might think are relevant to the community. A positive story about your church in the newspaper on a popular website can help you reach the very audience that you should be trying to reach. In fact, besides social media, a great news story is one of the only ways to reach that audience and to do so in a way that is meeting them where they already are. With that said, I know there will still be some of you who want to argue back and forth on whether it's worth your time to pursue stories in newspapers and blogs. Perhaps you're a small church struggling with keeping your Facebook updated. You certainly can make a great argument for not having the resources to care about pitching press releases. However, nothing you do or don't do is going to change the fact you have no control over when a story about your church is going to break. If something newsworthy happens that affects or involves your church, you're going to wish that you had never that you had been better prepared to deal with reporters calling your front desk or showing up at your church service with TV cameras. And being prepared for what when that happens has everything to do with building relationships and pitching stories and less to do with communications plans and standard protocol, although both are very important. This is when the phrase, a good defense is a good offense, is absolutely true. If you take the time and effort to build up a good perception of your church, it will soften the blow if something negative ever does come your way. The relationships you've built with press and media contacts will not only come in handy if something negative comes out about your church, more on that later, but they will also be key in gaining visibility for the positive stories that you wish to exploit. You cannot wait around and expect people to write about the good things you are doing. You must tell them about it and also give them reason to promote it for you when there is so much out there competing for their time. 
Your PR plan should include your goals and process for working with the media, as well as how and when you'll pitch them stories to promote what you are doing. Pitching a story to the press can prove to be quite the art form. It should be well-planned and thought out. If all you're doing is simply writing up press releases and blasting them out to the masses, then you're wasting a lot of valuable time. Leverage your relationships to pitch the people you know directly. Every reporter has a short list of people they'll listen to first. They want to work with the people they trust and have relationships with, so they know the facts that they get are straight and can easily be integrated into a story without the hassle of extensive research. Hardly ever do they pick, need to pick from the stack of a bunch of releases that come in throughout the day if they have enough trusted PR contacts ready to work with them. When it comes time to pitching a story, there are certain things that you want to get right. Reporters do not have time to hunt down details, especially on a story that may not be a high priority for them, such as writing about a church. Put in the work so that they don't have to, and you'll have a better chance of getting your story published. As you're pitching a story, here are some tips. Email is the preferred method to pitch a story to a reporter. Some will argue that the best thing to do is pick up the phone, but I absolutely disagree. Email gives you the best option of getting all the pertinent information into their hands. If you have direct relationships with the press, then you'll hardly ever need to use a wire service to get these press releases out. Just email your contacts directly. I will say, once you know them personally, it is definitely a good idea to send off a text message or pick up the phone to alert them about your email and discuss it further. But crafting the email well is the important part so that all the information is there and ready for them to use as they will. When emailing a reporter, be sure to address them by name and be sure you spell it correctly. The best pitch won't ever get read if you call Dave by the name of Dan or if you assume Dana is a woman and not a man, etc. Know who you're addressing and appeal to their interests. The writer who normally works the technology beat probably isn't going to care what your church is up to unless, of course, you just developed an awesome new app. Find the best writer who will be interested in the topic you are pitching. More often than not, this will be the faith and religion reporter, or if it's at a TV station, the news reporter that covers your neighborhood. Whether you have an existing relationship with this person or not, your email should start out with something that helps connect you to this person and elevates you above the rest of the people currently pitching them. One of the best ways to do this is to research what they've written about lately, so you can reference, reference it in your pitch. It shows that you follow what they care about, most reporters aren't sporadic in what they report on. Pick up on their thread and find a way for your story to fit into it. Don't hesitate to throw a little flattery and charm into it either. Then get right to the point. Don't bury the lead, as they say. In no more than one or two sentences, explain what the story is about and why it's unique. More often than not, if this doesn't appeal to them, they're not going to continue reading. So this is the most important part, to summarize in one or two sentences what you need them to know. The remainder of your email pitch should include all of the pertinent details of the story. The idea is to make it as easy as possible for them to write a unique article on the subject that you are pitching. Think about their needs and try to meet them. There have been many times where I have included a fully written post only to have a reporter cut and paste it into as its entirety into their published article. It's a little surreal the first time you read an article you wrote published in a newspaper, but attributed to someone else's name. It really makes you think twice about what you read. Whether you choose to include a full article or just the information they need to write on their own, you must write it in a way that makes it easy for them to cut and paste. 
The pronouns you use should be in the third person, as if the reporter is writing about the church, they, them, etc. One of the most important items you must include is a quote from a relevant representative, preferably two. Again, the goal is to do as much of the work for them as possible. When they are able to include a quote in their article, it will have the appearance that they conducted an interview and did their research. It adds weight and validity to their article. More often than not, with tight deadlines and multiple article quotas per day, they don't have the time to conduct likely interviews. Provide these details for them and you'll have a better chance of your article being published. Make the quotes count. Typically, they'll want one from the senior pastor or whoever is the most well-known to the public. Whenever possible, also include a quote from a church member or another staff member. You can also utilize quotes from thought leaders and other people who are publicly known who might have something nice to say about your church. This is why it's so important to build relationships with as many people as possible. The idea here is to make it look less like it was handed off to the reporter and more like they actually did the work. Speed up your internal approval process by writing the quote yourself and getting your pastor to approve it or make quick changes if needed. I know, it seems disingenuous, and that's really because it is. We're playing by their rules, not ours. This all may seem shallow, but really, this is just how the game is played these days. Your reporter will appreciate the help, and they'll reach out to you directly the next time they are fishing for a story. Why would they not want to work with you again if you're the one who does all their work for them? Isn't this crazy? It This is just the way it is. Also, be sure to include any additional facts and tidbits of information that are important to the story. You can list these out in bullet point form if needed. Don't assume they know how big your church is or how to spell your pastor's name. Include things like when the church was planted, how many locations you have, and whatever else may be relevant to the story. A lot of that information can be included in what is called a boilerplate paragraph. Typically, at the end of a press release, you will include a single paragraph about the church that gives important information, such as the proper name, address, contact info, number of locations, the mission statement, and more. Even though you're including all of this information, you must keep the length of your email as short as possible. The entirety of your story should take no more than a single page if printed out. A typical news article is anywhere from 500 to 800 words in length. If you include more than that, they'll be overwhelmed and move on. If it's too short, they may not have enough time to fill in the blanks. You may also want to include photos or video clips that are relevant to the story. Every news article that is posted online will include at least one photo. If you don't provide one, they're going to use the stock image that they have on file for your church. Chances are it's not going to be the flattering one. Provide them high-quality professional photos that would work well for an article header. I also kept a, I always kept a Dropbox folder up to date with new images and linked to it in our boilerplate description that went out with every pitch or reply to a reporter. The good ones would use them, while the ones that were bent on being negative would always prefer their grainy photos from the 90s that made us look like a cult. You can only do so much, but it's important to provide it as often as you can. Lastly, you'll want to include an easy way for them to get a hold of you. Even if it's someone you talk to often, include your direct phone number, email, and even your Twitter handle in every correspondence. These people are working from their cars, from coffee shops and news vans. They don't have assistance anymore. Most of my communications with the reporters I knew happened over text message or Twitter direct messages. Next, we'll go into some interviewing tips. Whether a story you pitched is picked up or a reporter reached out to you for comment on something that they already are writing, there may come a time where you will be interviewed. Most members of the press do not want to run a factually incorrect story. 
Even when dealing with an aggressive journalist, it can be helpful to remember that they may treat the other side of the story just as aggressively in pursuit of unbiased truth. Problems occur when they don't get an accurate story from one side. I like to think that back in the day this would mean they wouldn't run the story if they didn't have all the information, but I don't know if that's true. For as long as I've been alive, if they want to run a story, they'll do it with or without you. That's why it's important to respond to journalists and reporters and to be prepared with your side of the story at all times. It's up to you and you alone to get your side of the story out there and to do your best to help them understand it. If they get it wrong, chances are that's on you. Journalists are usually interested in offering a different angle on their story that includes fresh information or better evidence than what they already have, especially if it's something that others are going to report on as well. They need to stand out and be unique. There may come a time when you are chosen as a spokesperson for your church, either in writing or over the phone or on camera. Your church will be ideally positioned to the press when your spokesperson sticks to the approved messaging and follows these basic principles. First is to prepare for your interviews. The journalist is going to be prepared for the interview, even if they are pretending that they aren't. So don't walk into an interview not knowing what you're going to say. It's okay to request a reporter to send you their questions in advance. PR pros may disagree with me on that, but in my experience, you have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Most of the time, they won't have the time to do this, as they're always hustling and working on the fly. But every once in a while, you get lucky, and that heads up will help you prepare better. When it comes down to it, they want to produce a good news story, not quote some fumbling, unprepared guy who works at a church. Next is to anticipate the questions. Whether you get the questions ahead of time or not, take time to think about the questions that you might be asked. Then prepare your answers in advance. Once you have your answers written out, then try to simplify them as much as possible. Get your answers down to just a few key points and then memorize them. Your key points should be short enough to tweet, and you should try to work them into every answer if possible. Then practice mock interviews. Ask a friend or coworker to pretend to be a reporter so you can practice saying your answers. Don't let the first time you are saying them be on camera. This can sometimes feel weird or you don't have the time, so I'd often record myself saying the answers out loud. Being able to play back the recording helps you listen for different perspectives. I'd often make changes to my wording or tone based on how I sounded on the recording. Then you want to make yourself accessible. Don't hide your contact information or ignore your phone. Whether When a reporter calls, respect that they are under a deadline and be available to them. Most reporters don't have much time to wait on you. While they would prefer a direct quote and new information, they don't need it to run their story. You'll usually have between one and six hours to generate your response and get it back to the reporter before they have to publish. If you aren't prepared to answer their questions when they request them, then let them know what's going on. It's okay to say, hey, I'm planning on getting you a statement. We just need another hour. If they know that they'll get a statement from you, more often than not, they will wait for it or they'll let you know when their hard deadline is. If you don't communicate with them, they are more likely to go ahead without you, which probably won't work out positively for you. This is what happens when you read something like, representatives from the church were not available for comment in articles. That looks like you refused to answer or didn't care, when in reality, it could have just meant you were in a meeting when they called. Next, keep answers short but informative. Don't ramble on. Keep your answers directly related to the question. If you can't answer them in one or two sentences, then they aren't going to use the answer. You'll either be quoted without the context you provided, or you won't be quoted at all. 
Try writing out your answers beforehand, then keep taking words out until you've reduced it down to the plain and simple point you're trying to make. They are looking for quick sound bites. Whether you're being interviewed for TV or for an article, the quotes that will make it are going to be the short and pithy ones. Don't lose the opportunity by talking too much. And respect their timelines. Again, they will publish without you. Most reporters are working on two or three stories a day. They don't have time to wait or do proper research. They're not even looking to hear the whole story. They're looking for a couple sound bites to make it look like they interviewed someone and then they can move on to the next story. When they call and say they're doing a story, you've got to drop what you are doing and kick it into gear if you want to be a part of it. Now, it's also important to correct misinformation. You'll be misquoted. Names will get spelled wrong. Critical information will be missing from the story, even though you said it ten times. That's just how the game is played. Most of the time, it's an honest mistake. The reporter's in a hurry, and things get sloppy, and just were simply misunderstood. Unfortunately, once a story is out, people read it, or they watch it, and then they move on. Nobody goes back to see if anything has ever changed. But it's still important for you to work with the reporter to get the correct information out there. Follow up in an email or phone call and stay persistent. If you need to, find out who the editor is and work with them on making the correction. Chances are the reporter is still out in the field and on to the next story, so it could take them days to update it. But an editor is chained to a desk and can make it happen quicker and is likely to care more about getting the facts straight. After all, that's kind of their job. This is vitally important in case the story gets picked up by other news sites or bloggers. They'll start quoting the original story, and if the information is incorrect, then you'll lose control of it forever. Even if you track down every instance and get them all corrected, you can't change the perspective of all the people who have already read it. You can also ask for clarification. One way you can avoid misinformation getting out there in the first place is to ask clarifying questions. If you don't understand what is being asked of you, Request that they ask it in a different way or explain it to you. Remember, they're just looking for a soundbite. They won't air or quote the conversations back and forth between the two of you, unless, of course, you're doing a live interview, which is uh, very rare. If you aren't sure that they understood your answer, ask them to repeat it to you so you can be sure that they got it right. If you show them respect, they'll work with you to get the story right. Their reputation is on the line just as much as yours. Think before you speak. It's okay to pause. If you're on camera, your entire interview isn't going to be presented, unless, again, of course, you're live. And if you're talking to a newspaper reporter, they aren't going to report your pauses or describe you as slow or anything like that. If you need a minute to think through your answer, take your time. As much as you can avoid ums and uhs, and it's perfectly acceptable to be silent for a second. They will wait for your answer. It's better than blurting out something that you didn't mean to blurt out, because once it's out, it's out. You also want to repeat your core message. Repetition is key. Get your key points out there as many times as possible. They are more likely to air or print something you repeated several times. In fact, try to come up with one or two key points and work that point into every single answer that you give them. Remember, the entire interview is not going to be aired. They're only going to air one of your answers, so you're not going to look weird repeating yourself with the same answer to every question. But if you have the same answer to every question, chances are pretty good that your point is going to get some airtime. It's also not in their best interest to plug your website for you. If you repeat it several times, you'll have a better chance of making it into the story. And please, never say no comment. 
If there's a question you want to avoid or something you don't have permission to answer, try to redirect it back to your main point instead. If you say no comment or I can't answer that, then it makes you sound guilty and that you have something to hide. They'll air that for sure and you'll end up looking bad even though you didn't say anything at all. When you say I can't answer that, it makes it look like you've been handled and that this is something to hide. It also gives them the impression that you aren't really the person they should be talking to and may make a big mess for yourself when they try to go above your head to get the real story. Instead, say things like, I don't have an answer on that right now, but I'll get back to you on that. This buys you more time to come up with an answer. In worst case, you end up following up with an email that says, I'm sorry, I wasn't able to get more information on that at this time. They aren't going to be waiting for your answer anyway. They've already moved on to the next story. Also, don't speculate. Share what you know and commit to finding out what you don't know. It's not your job to give your opinion. You're representing the church and need to stick to the talking points that you prepared. If they ask you something you weren't prepared for, just share what you do know. And if you aren't sure, say something like, I'm not sure about that, but I'll find out for you. You can then follow up in an email once you find out what to say. But again, they'll likely have moved on without including that part. When I have used that line before, uh, I've never once had a reporter follow up and ask if I found out the answer. They just skip it. What you don't want to do is panic and think you have to have an answer for everything. You don't want to lose your cool. It's important to stay calm and collected. Sometimes they'll try to get under your skin. After all, controversy sells, so if they get you worked up, then it makes for a better story. If they've said something to upset you or they're pushing your buttons, just pause and take a breath. Stick to your points and continue to repeat yourself. It's really important to smile the entire time. Don't squint your eyes and look annoyed. If you do, you can be sure that will be the still shot that goes up on the blog later. And don't use church jargon. Remember that non-Christians are going to see this and read about it and that it may end up being a great opportunity for them to be exposed to your church. Don't turn them off or confuse them by using internal language or language that only Christians would understand. Things like loving on, doing life with, sanctuary, life groups, sacraments. Those are all things that nobody's going to understand. If you're talking about small groups, try to briefly explain what they are, such as uh, small groups are where people in the church gather in each other's homes throughout the week to share a meal and get to know each other better. If you normally call your worship space a sanctuary, for the purpose of the interview, just call it an auditorium. Think of the end viewer or reader who may be an unbeliever who is interested in coming to your church. Make it super easy for them to understand. And don't ever try to stop a story. Never try to stop a member of the press from running a story. Offer to help with the story instead. It will never end well if you're trying to stop a story from coming out. If they're already inquiring about it, then your best bet is to become a part of the story so you can do your best to get your side right. Offer to connect with the right people that they need to interview. Provide the info they need for their research. Chances are, if you provide it, they'll use it rather than digging deeper. Don't say anything off the record, either. Remain professional with the press at all times. Even if you've come to be friends with a reporter, there really is no such thing as off the record. If it's good, chances are they'll find a way to work it into the story one way or the other. Most reporters feel it is their sworn duty to report something that they know about. Just because you said it off the record doesn't mean that they can't ask a church member or another staff member to verify it on the record. Then they'll just quote them instead. 
any respectable journalist will abide by the off-the-record rules if you make it clear up front that you are off the record. But when it comes down to it, there's nothing legally binding about those words. Also, keep in mind that bloggers don't have a boss or an editor looking over their shoulder, so they have no obligation to adhere to journalistic standards or ethics. You never know what they're going to write, and just because they don't quote you doesn't mean that they won't share their opinion on something you said in order to get the information out there. And don't say anything you wouldn't want to read in the story later. Don't get sidetracked out of the key issue. Bring it back to the core message if you need to. Never make bad jokes or lose professionalism. Remember that the entire time you are with the reporter, they are paying attention to your conversation. Even after the interview is over and you've turned to chit-chat, your words can be used in the story. In fact, they'll often use opportunities like that to catch you off your guard. I learned that lesson the hard way. We were making a bid for a huge building that was for sale near our main church campus. The building and property was a perfect fit to expand our church's central operations and main auditorium. It was right off the public transportation line in the middle of a proposed mixed-use development that was supposed to be the new epicenter of the city. It was exactly what we had been looking for, and at the end of the day, it was the only option we found that was big enough to fit our growing congregation. We needed to expand, and this building was the only option within the city. There wasn't a lot of undeveloped space in the area, and there are a lot of restrictions on new buildings, particularly worship centers. It's not like down south where you can just buy an empty field and build a massive opportunity to auditorium to your specs. We made an offer on the building, more than they were asking, and the owner accepted it right away. Unfortunately, the city turned out to have a claim on the property, as it was one of several locations that they had the right to seize while they planned a new maintenance facility for the mass transit train line. Even though our offer was accepted, the city blocked the sale. The hardest part was the property would sit vacant for up to five years while the city decided if they even needed it. They wouldn't be ready to build their maintenance facility for several years, but they seized about five different properties while they determined which one they might use. If they didn't choose this one, they'd end up selling it at auction, but that could be five to seven years later, and we did not have that kind of time. We tried working with the city to show them that our church would be better for the community than a maintenance yard, especially since they had several other properties that were a great fit for their new facility, but we only had the one option for the growth of our church. I appeared at every public hearing that they held for months and spoke our concerns, but they wouldn't budge on, our, on their decision, nor would they work with us to find another suitable location for the church. Eventually, they stopped letting me speak on the matter. There were no legal options we could pursue, and our efforts to work with them were failing. We felt we had no other choice than to try the matter in the court of public opinion, so we started a website to draw attention to the situation and get the public's interest. After all, even non-Christians could agree that a beautiful church campus that doubles as a public auditorium, a bookstore, and a cafe, that was a better option in the up-and-coming shopping district than an ugly maintenance yard for trains. A local TV station quickly picked up on the story and sent a reporter out to interview me. The whole thing lasted 30 minutes. I hit every talking point we worked up and was so excited that they devoted that much time to the story. I knew they'd take a controversial angle with it, pitting the big, rich megachurch up against the city who was just trying to support what was really a popular mass transit line. But I had high hopes. The reporter seemed genuinely interested, was friendly, and asked great questions. What I didn't expect is the reporter baiting me into a corner as I walked him out to their news van. 
With the interview over, but the camera apparently still recording audio, he asked me, Do you think God wants you to have this building? My response, with my guard down and thinking he and I were now buddies, was, Sure, we believe God wants us to have this building. We wouldn't be pursuing it if we didn't. Dang it, why did I say that? As they hopped into their van and sped off, I was just praying that the cameraman didn't capture me saying that. Sure enough, when the evening news came on that night, the lead story was, Local church says we believe God wants us to have this building with my photo next to it. 30 minutes of interview, and the only clip they aired was audio of me saying those words. They didn't even air him asking the question. It played out as if I had volunteered the information. None of the context was included. Not a single key point made it into the story. The whole thing was about how some wacky megachurch thought that they could take someone else's property just because God told them to. I should have said something like, well, I'm not God. I don't know what he wants, but I do know that we love this community and we want to continue being a part of it. But this building is the only option we have to expand our growing church. If the city continues to block the sale so that they can sit on the property for five years, then we'll have to move more than 150 jobs and a place of worship for 5,000 church members to another city. Even my co-workers the next morning in the church office were asking me why I would say such a thing. It was a nightmare. The city issued a statement the next day saying that they don't just give up buildings because the church says God wants them to have it. Man, I envied that city PR guy. He had me and he knew it. We lost control of the message and the public turned against us. A reporter caught me off guard and it threw a whole building campaign off the tracks. We might have been able to recover by doing another interview and explaining what happened. I certainly wanted to stay in the fight. Unfortunately, I didn't get the chance to even clarify my position because the prevailing decision was to just move on. We were already under a lot of pressure at the time, and frankly, it marked the beginning of us giving up on the future of the church. In hindsight, we would have been selling that building a year later had we known the church would soon close. I don't share this story to scare you into another into never talking to a reporter. I share it because it's a good lesson to always stick to your talking points and always be on guard when talking to a reporter, especially one you don't have an existing relationship with. I also hope it's a good lesson in not giving up. Whether whenever possible, clarify what you meant to say. Try to correct your missteps. In my opinion, we owed it to the public to share what happened and what we really meant. We let their poor perception of the church linger and frankly that hurt churches everywhere and it hurt people who follow the story it pains me to think that i helped justify hatred for the church and a lot of people who just needed one more reason to stay away i regret i regret that we didn't keep fighting to get our message out there we may not have ever won that building but we could have helped correct correct the perception of the church lastly i want to talk about holding press conferences I want to touch on one technique of working with the press that a lot of churches just don't use. There may come a time when hosting a press conference is necessary to get the word out about a big announcement or to respond to something major. Rather than interviewing with the TV station about our church building, I wish we had done a press conference where we could have controlled that story better. Press conferences are certainly a rare occurrence with churches, but I think that's a shame. I believe it's because most churches are unprepared with how to hold one. They can be a great way to entice hype or get the word out fast about an important story. In times when you are responding to something negative, it can be a great way to show vulnerability as well as ensure that all news agencies receive the same information at the same time. 
Certainly, press conferences should be reserved for big announcements and items that are definitely newsworthy. Don't burn bridges with your media contacts by inviting them to an announcement about how you collected 500 coats for a coat drive. Nobody cares. That would have been handled in an email if it's important for you to get it out there. Press conferences are for big announcements such as major milestones, big building campaigns, major leadership changes, responses to major crisis or something that has a big impact on the community and not just your church. You can hold a press conference in your church auditorium, in your foyer, or even uh, any public space. Wherever is the easiest to access and provides a great photo opportunity. To get the word out, you want to personally invite your press contacts. It may also be wise in this case to to prepare a simple press release that goes out to all relevant media outlets. You may also want to post about it on social media as well as your website or blog. Don't leave them hanging on the subject matter. Give them enough details so they'll be interested in attending, but hold back your best parts for the main event. I highly suggest that anytime you make a major announcement via the press, you first inform your church. Whether it be just your church members or key players or the entire congregation, it's generally best practice to inform the people of your church first. This is particularly true if what you're announcing is in any way negative. Your people will be waiting for answers and they don't deserve to hear them um, from you and they deserve to hear them from you and not from a press conference or from an article that they read in the local newspaper. Because of this, you may want to time your press conference directly after a members meeting or even a church service. Kill two birds with one stone and invite the press into your members meeting so everyone hears at the same time. This also has the added benefit of ensuring that no matter what is reported, your key people heard it the same way as the reporters did and will be able to compare what was said versus what gets reported. You can be sure that reporters will bring photographers and video crews to a press conference, so have that in mind. Be mindful of the setting and how it will look on TV. Provide a backdrop or stage setup that is attractive. Ensure that there is room for everyone to set up cameras so that they get a good shot of the speaker. Make sure that they have power and Wi-Fi access. This is a great opportunity to provide loving hospitality. Make it a joy to visit your church. Treat them like you treated the affluent new family that visited last Sunday. Put out water bottles, fresh coffee, snacks, and anything else that you think will make your guests more comfortable. When you invite the press into your house, you can expect things to get a little pushier than you'll be used to. Everyone is getting the same information at the same time, so they'll be digging for unique angles that will make their article or TV spot stand out among the others in the room. Think about providing time for one-on-one interviews with you or the pastor or any other spokesperson that would be relevant to the story. You invited them, so be accessible and accommodating. At the very least, provide them with a final printout that includes every necessary detail of the story. And follow up with every press contact and thank them for coming and share your regrets with those who didn't make it. Then provide them with all the details again. This also gives you a chance to clarify anything you felt was unclear or got muddled. They'll be rushing to get a story out and will appreciate having the facts and key points already written up for them. That's it for Chapter 6. In uh, the next episode, I'll read Chapter 7, The Power of Social Media. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.